Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, we're going to look together over in the Old Testament into the book of Zechariah. Uh, and Zechariah is a wonderful, uh, he's a minor, it's a minor prophet. Uh, minor doesn't mean insignificant. Minor does mean it's just one of the smaller prophets in the Old Testament. And uh, he, he's a really quite the powerful prophet as he looks forward to the coming of the Messiah and, and uh, some important things. So, so this morning, uh, I, I'm titling this uh, sermon, Where Are You Going? Uh, and so, you know, uh, you, you may ask somebody where you're going when you're trying to understand what they're doing and what is happening, right? Uh, it, it's something that you may ask somebody. We've all asked somebody else that question at times. You may have asked that to the neighbor kid when they, when they cut through their, your yard, you know, and you're trying to figure out how, what's happening with these guys. Uh, and, and you may ask the, meet, the meter reader, how, where are you going, before you notice that they're simply looking at your meter to see how much, how much electricity you've used for the month so they can send you the bill, right? So uh, we all have those kind of situations where, where we're asking, and, and why do you ask? Why do we ask a question like this? Uh, it really does come down for clarification. We want to understand what's happening. Uh, and why that person is doing what they're doing. Uh, could you imagine sitting on your deck or maybe on your porch only to notice some, some guy with a tape measure coming into your yard and you're saying, what in the world are they doing? And you look and they walk over to your house and you're thinking, well, why are you messing with my house? And they, they start measuring things and they measure to the line of the property and they do some different things and you're like, well, Maybe they're maybe they're uh, maybe they're gonna like put a new gas line in or uh, replace something for us and and then so you ask questions right uh, I'd be a little wonder I would I would be wondering myself if I saw somebody doing that at my house and so you ask questions and you want to know because maybe they're looking to see where your building is in relationship to the line because they're gonna build a new gas station beside your house well, that'd be awesome. And so, but you want to know, right? You, you want to figure that out to know what's happening. And so you yell to those guys, well, what are you doing with your tape measure at my house? And so in the book of uh, Zechariah, uh, we find in chapter 2 here, we find uh, the prophet, uh, uh, this prophetic passage, which the Lord is looking into Israel's future, uh, not only for Israel, but also for others on the world stage. And that's why it's so important for us as we look to see what's happening here, and the Lord also reveals Israel's impact on others. Now, Zechariah the prophet, uh, he's writing towards the time of the return of God's people to the land of Israel from Babylon, right? So uh, they, they, they were exiled because of their sin, we, if you know the story, and somewhere around 586 B.C., they were pulled out of their land, and they lost. They were no longer occupying. They were gone, and for the most part. And so we see these guys at this point, and he's writing in this time. And since it's a, this is a prophetic book, there's really a spillover of what God will do in later times, even once the Messiah has come. And so, of course, we're looking back on some of that, but not all of it. And this is what makes it all relevant today for us. 
That's why it's important to be able to think about this and to read what the scripture says. And this is why we're reading the prophets. So Zechariah helps us to get a small picture of what God is doing and where things are going. And so he was a prophet whom the Lord gave many pictures or, or visions uh, of what God was doing and, and what he would do on the world stage. But what God was and is going to do on the world stage will be performed, especially in and through Israel. So if you know the scripture, not just what Uncle Billy Bob said or Aunt Sue said, not just what they said, but what the scripture says as well, it should help you understand and, and this is why so many people in America and in other places as well take note of what's happening with Israel. That's why it's important for us to know what's happening. And some people are like, oh, I don't get it. Well, uh, may, maybe through this time you'll get a little bit and understand a little bit of what's happening. So in our passage today here in the book of Zechariah chapter 2, we find the prophet writing these words. So let's look at this together. should be on the screen for you this morning. And it says in Zechariah 2, verse 1, it says, Then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, Where are you going? He answered me, To measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. You know, it's kind of funny when you read something like this. You think, Why in the world would the Lord send somebody like this? Does he not know how big a Jerusalem is? Don't, don't worry. He does it for us, right? He doesn't usually do it for himself. He kind of knows what's happening. It's us. We're the ones who don't always get everything. And so he's helping us. And so the prophet sees this person with the measuring line. And for me, I'm kind of simple. So because I'm simple, I'm just going to call it a tape measure. It just makes it a lot easier for me. Okay, so just bear with me. And maybe he had that kind that contractors use, you know, like the, the, the one that's like 100 yards long or something. I don't know, but this thing is, is uh, it's not just any old man either. It's not just any old guy. Uh, you need to realize this man was actually an angel. In fact, in verse 3 there, it really interprets him in verse 3 as an angel. And the context interprets the passage. That's why it's important for us as followers of Jesus, as we read the Bible, that we do read in context, right? Sure, there are times that things fit together, but we do need to have an idea of what the context is. And so in verse 3, it says here, it says, While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet him. So you need to realize this, this is a vision from God given to the prophet Zechariah, which he was supposed to proclaim to God's people. So, and we have it today. We've received it as well. And so he writes it down and he gives it to the people of Israel, but he, we also have it as well. And so it's important for us. And so he was supposed to proclaim this and he needed to tell them some things which were going to happen. Uh, and so you have one angel with the tape measure and another angel there is to, to give some direction to the first angel and the prophet's uh, earshot. So there they are. They're there together, right? And they're interacting. And, and so could you imagine what it would have been uh, like if the Lord would have given you the vision? It been kind of interesting, wouldn't it? I'm sure you, you first would have been humbled, right? You, you'd have been humbled because you know God is speaking. That's a big deal. And you may have been in awe of God, of course, but you would likely have had some questions as well. And it seems like probably Zechariah has some questions. I know I would have had questions in the situation. 
But remember, this wasn't simply a bunch of fanciful writing. It wasn't just a bunch of fanciful writing. There are, there are plenty of things that God gave to Zechariah which have actually happened since that time. And uh, there are plenty of things that God gave that uh, are yet to happen as well, even for us. And this should really make us uh, stand up and take notice to this. That's why these things are so important. And before I, I, I came to put this together, in fact, I was going to speak on this last week, and I felt like, well, I, I had, there was too much of stuff to do, so I, I, I did something else, and I did this this week. There's like all these chapters. I read through the whole book of Zechariah as well to see what God was saying and doing here. And it's really powerful. You see the fulfillment in Christ when, when the Messiah has come, and but, you know, there's people who will say, oh, yeah, that's just a bunch of fanciful stories that someone wrote after the fact to explain something which, uh, which later happened. But the problem with that idea is these writings happened years before Christ. They happened before the Messiah, and many of Zechariah's visions related to the coming of the Messiah. And, uh, and, and here's the context. So, so Zechariah, this guy lives uh, about, and, and he preached in the same time of Haggai. And Haggai, you say, well, I don't even know who that is. It doesn't matter. Well, he's another one of the prophets. And he started preaching around 520 B.C. So that's, that's some years after 586, after they got uh, uh, pulled out of there. And, and uh, they, were, they were delivered into the hands of the, the, the Babylonians. And, and so this guy, Haggai, he, he writes the last part of his book by about 480 B.C. So getting closer to us, right? It's a countdown. And Zechariah wasn't only a prophet, but something interesting about him, he was a priest too. Sometimes some of the prophets were just prophets, but this guy was a prophet and a priest. So that means he would be part of the sacrificial system and all that. And he, he was born in captivity in Babylon, and he came back to Palestine with the Jewish exiles when they returned with Zerubbabel. Well, don't you love the names? I, I, I was thinking, if we had another kid, Jody, we should name him Zerubbabel. Oh, yeah. what we call him, Bub or something? I don't, I don't know what you'd call him. That's, and she's looking at me like, Mike, you're crazy. So anyway, so, so we know that the old temple has been destroyed and the city was seriously smashed, the city of Jerusalem. And God was not only going to have his temple and the city of Jerusalem rebuild in their day, but God was prophetically looking towards the arrival of the Messiah and the final kingdom of we as well. And this really matters to us because even the latter part of Zechariah looks toward what will happen in the book of Revelation in the final days. And you see how they're paired in some sense. You know, we've never been closer. We've never been closer. You know, one scholar says this about the writing of Zechariah here. He says, the restoration of the people, the temple, and the city of Jerusalem immediately after the Babylonian exile was only the first stage in the progressive fulfillment of the promises that follow. See, sometimes people are distracted. They're distracted by something after the first stage of anything in a plan is finished, right? Uh, you get, you, maybe you set a plan and you say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And so you get through that plan. And, and, and then after that plan is kind of done, you think, 
uh, you think, well, that's it. That's it. That's all there is. And so have you ever watched one of those neighborhood projects? Maybe you've had one in your neighborhood or down the street or something. Maybe a contractor is there building a house. And so they go through and, and they got the people coming in. The framers come in. They frame up the house. They get it all set up. They, they put all the siding on and all that kind of stuff. They put the roof on the thing, right? And, and they get all those things done. And the next thing you know, all the windows are in. And, and, and they paint the thing. And it looks good. And you, you think, hey, these guys are ready to, for the new tenant. Those, those people are going to come in. They're going to get the house. It's going to be good. And so you're waiting. It's been three months. They've got all that done. And you're just like, what's the deal? So you're, you're wondering what's happened. And you're thinking, why, why aren't they moving in? But must, be, must be something wrong. Something didn't go the way they expected, right? They must have mold on the inside or something got wet in there. Oh, no, now they got to have somebody to come in and remediate that stuff. No, and that's not what it is at all. In fact, nothing is wrong. Just the outside was finished. It's just that was the first stage. They, they build it all and everything on the outside looks like it's wrapped up, it's done. But there's a lot of things to go on in the inside. They have to do all the sheetrock, the plumbing, the lighting inside. They have, to, they have to get all those fixtures in, all that kind of stuff. But you were distracted by what you saw on the outside. You thought, hey, it's done. It's, it's sad. That's the, kind of the way we are at times in life. We get distracted by the outward appearances of things. And this can happen to us when we read the Bible and when you consider some of the prophetic books and the passages and you see God has fulfilled something like when the second temple was rebuilt. And so uh, some people think, oh, that's it. That was done. That, all, those, all those prophetic words, they're, they're finished there. And that's it. But they, they become distracted from the fact that God is looking both in the near and the far. When he's speaking about what God is doing in Israel, he's speaking about right then and that, now, that time and in the distance. And let's jump back into the passage here. So the, so the prophet has met the angel with the tape measure who was who fixing to measure the city of Jerusalem. And this, this shows Jerusalem was going to be re rebuilt and restored. And that's kind of one of the things it's showing there. Hey, this is going to happen. Uh, and so here, here we are. Let's look at verse 3 to get, uh, together, uh, 3 to 5, and it says this. While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to him to meet him and said to him, Run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. And then look at what he says in verse 5 there. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord. And I will be its glory within. Well, this is pretty significant statements, my friends. And so now you have this angel who tells the other angel, run, tell that young man. So he, he, he's supposed to give this message in verses 4 and 5 and such to Zechariah the prophet. That's who the young man is in this, this, this setting. And God has sent his angels to clarify some things, not only for the prophet himself but also for God's people, Israel, and for everyone who knows this truth. So now we know not everyone is going to accept the truth. 
That's just the reality. That's the world we live in, and not everybody's going to accept the Word of God and what God says, and we just have to come to grips with that. But not, not everybody is going to believe what the angel tells Zechariah, but that won't stop God uh, from accomplishing uh, what he said he would do. It just is not going to stop God. When we say, hey, well, I don't know that that's really a fact, God's going to say, well, that's fine and good that you think that, but unfortunately, I'm going to do it anyway. So you do need to be aware. And Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, kind of reminds us of this, where he says this. He said, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. If God said he's going to do something, he will do it. Sure, there are times that there's conditions uh, in a situation and the Lord works with those conditions with people. But when God said he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And the problem you and I may face is it may be with God's timing and how he specifically fills it, uh, fulfills it. it uh, we may be distracted by some of the other things around us that we've seen or heard or, or Uncle, Uncle Billy Bob or Aunt Sue said, and you're know, like, well, that, that should be the way it is because that's what they said. Well, maybe they're right or they may not be. They better know what the Word of God says. And sometimes the Word of God leaves things a little bit open for us and we don't know everything, and that's just a reality. That's why we should always remain faithful and ready. Look at what he says in verse 4 there. Uh, you know, Jerusalem will be, become so large with all the people and animals and won't have any walls. Uh, uh, that's not going to be there like that uh, to surround a thing. People will fill the urban areas and the suburban areas, the outlying places uh, in the city. Uh, and nothing like this has yet happened in the history of the city uh, certainly not in the time of Nehemiah, as Nehemiah would say in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 4, and in chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Yet it will happen. And some people say, yeah, they've said that for years. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, you, may, you may have the, that, so you're the one that doesn't believe. That's okay. But just because you don't believe that it works that way uh, at one point in God's timing, in His timing, He will do it. But the angel passes on God's message to the prophet and says something so powerful in verse 5. He said, and I myself, this is NIV, uh, the, the New International Version, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within those, those sta that statement that he makes there should cause our ears to perk up and to take note. It should cause you to notice that God himself actually has a plan for Israel, a plan for Jerusalem, even though they may not have a wall like they did in the past in the same way, God will take care of them. And this is such a powerful prophetic word which God is playing uh, about to the prophet. He's making it plain to this prophet, to Zechariah. And don't think for a minute that God is totally limited. Unfortunately, in the world that we live in, people think we have it all down. They think we have things figured out so well. But look at what the NIV says and how, how I mentioned there in the verse that the NIV translates. He says, I myself, in verse 5. He says, I myself. 
Uh, and it's, it's emphatic in the original language, in the, in the original language. And I, I think about this for a second. He's saying, I myself will be a wall of fire around it. Let's put that today. I, I, I would say that he's even more than what the Iron Dome is, if you know what's happening there. He's, he's more than that. And, and you need to notice something else here. That wall, the wall of fire is, is reminiscent of the pillar of fire that we see in the Old Testament uh, when in Exodus, God pulled his children. They were slaves at that time, and he pulls them out of slavery, out of uh, the power of the Egyptians' hands. And we see this pillar of fire with them, and both the wall of fire and the pillar of fire are symbolic of God and his protection and guidance, even over in Isaiah chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. So, in fact, both fire and glory recall the Exodus. It goes back to that. It's a reminder to God's people that, look, I, I, you may have been stuck in a situation, but I'm going to bring you out. It's, a, it's important for us to be able to remember those things and also that you in your life, in your personal life, you may be stuck in your situation, but he can bring you out. We have to put our focus on the one who can make the difference in our lives. So many times we're distracted by all the other stuff around us, and so we miss out on what God wants to do because we won't look to him in faith. So it recalls the Exodus, if God pulled his people out of Egypt from slavery, don't think he will ignore them or leave them alone in these latter days either. And I know I've heard some people say, well, that's a difference between ancient Israel and modern Israel and all that. I mean, I understand. Is there a difference? Sure, there is a difference a little bit too. Uh, but uh, that God's uh, purposes and his plans are without repentance and they stand forever. They stand forever. We can't do anything about that. Now, if we look back, it, it, uh, we he talks about the Lord's glory, or in Hebrew, it's kabod, and, uh, and uh, for the word glory or weight, and uh, it's, uh, it shows this impression of God's self-manifestation. Remember, he doesn't need anybody else to manifest him. He reveals himself, right? And isn't that what he did when he, said, uh, when he saw um, uh, Moses out in the, out in the desert and, and he revealed himself, I am that I am. He said, I'm self-existent, buddy. Uh, and he, and the, the bush is there on fire, but the thing isn't burned up. He reveals himself. He has a way to do that. And, and so this looks forward. This looks forward to the, the Lord's personal presence through the Messiah in his kingdom on earth. As we look at this, there are in these verses in verse 5 and such, and what the Lord is going to do. He's looking forward to the second coming of the Messiah, the Christ himself as well. We saw the first one. Now, we didn't see it for, uh, uh, for us personally, right? We weren't there. We weren't, we weren't a thought yet, but we were a thought in the mind of God. So why is it that I bring these things up? There's five things here. There's five things that we have to consider. The first of all, this is biblical truth. We're pulling, we're understanding what the scripture is saying. We know what the context is as we go through this. And second, we must be aware of the possibilities of what God is do, doing, either in our time or in the future. 
And then the third thing is this. Uh, we also must understand that God has not simply thrown Israel aside to ignore them, even in their secularized and somewhat unbelieving state. Unfortunately, their culture is not a lot different than ours. It's different, but it's not a lot different. With the, with the secular humanism that runs rampant and rules and reigns, uh, they've got a lot of that too. But God is doing something bigger than many may even understand. And fourth is this, God himself will be a wall of fire around it at the right point. Right? I don't get it all. I don't know it all. I wish I did, but I don't. And when God says something, he will do it. It may not happen the way you expect or the way you want it because he looks at the whole world when he makes a decision. He doesn't look just here. He sees the whole picture. That'd be cool to be able to see on the other side of the globe, right? But for us, we just don't, we can't see on the other side. You know, it's, we think we can. Why do we think we can? Because we have, some people have those cars to where you have the little, you have the little screen, right? And you can look and, and it's really cool. And you look in there and you can see around the whole car. Some people have that. That's really neat. <laughs> kind of gives you an idea of how God can see in some sense. So let's put it this way. Say, say you have a general contractor. I guess this is the contracting illustrations today. But, but say you have this general contractor who has been put in charge of building a new house. And he has subcontractors that work underneath of him. So he has the, has the plumber who does the plumbing. He has the framer who builds all the structure, gets all that up. He has the, the drywaller. I won't go into all the rest of them. But he has the drywaller who comes in and he puts all the sheetrock up, all the drywall up. And, uh, and then you go from there, right? And so, and if you're a contractor, I'm po I apologize if I missed the electrical guys and the other guys. But anyway, but the, the, those guys are all different. They, they, they're, they're specialized in their area. They're doing their own thing, but they're doing it in connection with the general. But the general does, knows something that those guys don't necessarily have in their mind. He sees the big picture of the house. He, know, he knows that he works with the guys that are, that are designing, the architect, and the, doing all the blueprints. And he has to have all that stuff. He or she has to have all that stuff down. And, and they go from the foundation up, and they get it all the way done. They get through this whole process. But, but the plumber and the, and the, and the um, sheetrocker and uh, all these guys, they, they don't necessarily... They don't know it all, right? They know their part. And so say you get the sheetrocker and he decides, hey, on a wild hair, we just need to get this thing done. I got another house to do. We're going to come in and knock this out in one day. And, and so he forgets to talk to the general contractor. And so he goes in there and he sheetrocks the whole thing and it's done. Looks great. Now he notices something. He, he notices there aren't so many holes in the sheetrock. He didn't have to work around the plumbing and stuff for some reason. So what he did is he accidentally forgot to let the plumber do his job first. He should have got in touch with the general contractor, and then the general would have said, buddy, it's not time yet. So what does is, what is the plumber come and do? The plumber comes and he rips out all the sheetrock in those areas where they got to plumb the thing. And they got to start over. And then the drywaller said, like, why did you do that? And it's, yeah, go fix it, buddy. <laughs> See, sometimes we're kind of like the subcontractors gone rogue. We, we think we know what time it is, but God is the general here, and he sees the whole picture. 
He sees it from beginning to the end. He sees it top to bottom, left to right. He sees the whole thing. And, and, and if he said he will be a wall of fire around Israel, then he will do it when that time comes. And I and don't think he won't. Here's another reason I brought this up today, because I mentioned the four things there, but the fifth thing is it comes down to this. God sees Israel as the apple of his eye. And we need to remember those things in the time and the day that we live in. And this is something that you must not ignore. And I know there's lots of arguments out there, and I understand some of them. Some of them really make sense. Some of the modern ones really make sense. But we have to look at the whole picture. God does. He sees the whole thing. And this is something you must not ignore. Even after ancient Israel messed up over and over, God still had a plan for them. They messed up, and he still had a plan. But, and we have to be careful not to ignore this reality. So many have tried to explain it away or to replace them or, or to cast them aside and all that. But, but let's look at this truth here in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 6, 6 to 9. And he says this, and I can't hit every bit of this, but we're going to touch some of it. He says, Come, come, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Come, Zion, escape, escape, you who live in daughter Babylon. And they were up there, right, for some time, and then they came out. For this is what the Almighty says, after the glorious one, has sent me against the nations that have plundered you. For whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. Some really strong words here, some important words here. Now, I, I would say that if the Lord gave the vision today, maybe it would be written a little bit different to be, to be able to manage our culture and our, our uh, lingo and all those kind of things. But, but, but while, we th while we look at this and we think, while some think that word me there uh, in, in verse 8 refers to Zechariah, others believe that in the light of the language and the scope of these verses, remember you got to deal with context, Context of this, this, this passage this, uh, and, uh, and the whole book as well, it, looks, it actually looks towards the messianic servant messenger. Who's that? It's the Messiah. It's Christ. It's Jesus. And God is revealing something here to his people. I, I, I'm not here to give you all the answers. I'm not going to do that. Some of those people out there, they say they're going to give you all the answers. They can't give you all the answers because they don't have all the answers. That's just a fact. I, I wish some would say that a little bit more. But yet, the Christ will come at the right time. He will come. He's been here once, but he's coming again. That's what Scripture teaches. But also remember that Israel is still the apple of his eye. And that hasn't changed after thousands of years. That still has not changed. Did they mess up? Yeah, they messed up big time. So have we. So has everybody else. But you may wonder, what does that mean? Well, poor treatment of the Jewish people is condemned because harming them is like striking the apple of God's eye. That's significant. That hasn't changed. Friends, that is the same today as it was in the beginning. An apple, it literally means gate, or, or uh, that's, it's referring to the pupil. It's the sensitive part and the vital part of the eye that must be carefully protected, right? So, uh, so uh, you know, it's kind of like this. When I, when I was younger, 
when I worked on I worked on stuff all the time. I was at Diesel Tech for a while and all that kind of stuff. I, I remember being in, in situations where I was grinding and stuff, and I got something in my eye. And that happened more than once. And so after the second time, I realized how stupid I was. So I started wearing glasses like I should, right? Sometimes they'll still get past them. Uh, but, but anyway, so after having to go to the doctor, and I won't give you the details. I'll spare you. But, but after having to go to them twice in different locations, I decided it was time to wear glasses. Don't do that to God. Don't, don't put something in his eye. That's not nice. Look at what he says here in chapter 2, verse 10 of Zechariah. He says, Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. Interesting. I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Remember that me there, speaking of the Christ, the Messiah. Then he says in verse 12, The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land, and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. When you look at this passage, you have to realize that these verses anticipate the full blessing of the kingdom of God in the Messiah's reign. And it's the fulfillment of God's covenant with Abraham. And there's something important for us that relates to us, every one of us in this room and in this world, it relates to us. Because the scripture talks about for the Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham, that it was through Abraham's seed that the the nations would be blessed. Everyone, we are blessed through his seed and through Christ himself, right? That's a key thing for us. And he talks about many, uh, many who uh, come along and are with them, what they're there in faith. Even many different peoples will also become people of God, but the Lord's special favor will continue to rest on the Holy Land. And this is, this is the only time here, at least in, in, this, in this version, that the, whole, that the Holy Land is used in Scripture like this. For us, we need to remember something. It's about faith in Christ because the Messiah has come. He has come, he has met us, and he's come to give us life. So let's, as we wrap this up, let's think about this question for a second. So the question, where are you going, as, as we found in the beginning, has, has quite a meaning to us as individuals. It has quite a meaning to us as the body of Christ. For the prophet Isaiah, or prophet Zechariah, he was trying to obtain understanding of what the angel with the tape measure in his hand was doing. He's like, what are you doing, man? And, and we too may be like Zechariah, looking, looking to God for the truth. And here God gave the prophet a picture of what was going to happen on the world stage. And in turn, God is giving you and I a picture and understanding of things which mean so much to him on this world stage. We need to be aware. And we need to follow God's plan, not our own, not not, uh, everybody else's, not the political side of it, but, but make sure we're following God's plan. Make sure you recognize the truth but once you understand the truth that you, that you do, uh, 
that, that, that you understand the truth that is so important to us. Don't be like the person who learned a new truth only to take it and hit somebody over the head with it. Sometimes people do that, right? They learn this new truth and say, yeah, but the, the scripture says this. And so they do it with a kind of a, maybe a mean spirit or angry kind of spirit or something. I don't know. And so they hit other people with it. But that's not Jesus. That's not the way the Messiah taught. He didn't, he didn't live that way, nor did he teach that way. In fact, they were killing him on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They think they do. They're intelligent, but they don't know what they're doing. I'm not sure where you're going. Where, where are you going today with what do you know about God's message about Jesus and his chosen people? Where are you going with, with this message, with, with what God is saying? Be a person who recognizes the apple of his eye, but be willing to pray for peace as well. We have a responsibility as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility to serve the Lord and to be faithful to him, but also be faithful in a way that blesses his people. And you may say, well, I thought we are his people. We are if we're followers of Jesus. We are his people, but they are still his people. Maybe they haven't got all things together yet. I understand, but the time will come. And we need to be willing to pray for peace, but also be the person who has a deep enough faith to recognize that God is big enough to do what he said he would do. And it goes back to that Isaiah chapter 55, 11. So is my word that goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. What is he saying? I will do what I said I will do for my purposes. But this then begs me to ask this question, where are you going? Where are you going in this? Where are, are you considering your future? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and we don't have to fear and worry. Because sometimes people, when they look at these things and the end time events, they say, then they get all uh, uh, freaked out and all worried. It's, oh, I don't know, don't worry. If you're in Christ, if you actually put your faith in Him, not just go to church, but if you're in Christ, if Christ is in you, we don't have to worry because Christ is in our lives and He has our back. He is with us. And He said in His Word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But we have to ask ourselves, where are we going? Are, are you considering your future? Where is your faith today? Is it in Christ? But if, because if it's in Christ, you don't have to worry, you don't have to fret, you don't have to fear, but you can trust. You can trust that He has your back and He will keep you. We need to put our faith in Him. Not all the other stuff, we can see it, you know, we get distracted by it, like the house that was half built and everybody thought, well, that's it, that's it. You know, it all looks good on the outside, but if you walked on the inside, it's totally unfinished. We need to be the type of people that recognize that God wants to do something in our lives, but he doesn't want to build it part way. He doesn't want to just stop at the outside and what looks like it may be good. He wants to build on the inside of us and continue to transform us from the inside out. He cares for us and he loves us. He loves you more than you can even imagine. He still loves Israel and he always will, but he loves you too. And let's put our life in his hands today. Take this time to say, Lord, I'm choosing to go 
where you want me to go. I'm choosing to put my faith and my trust in you this morning. And I want to pray for you this morning because maybe you haven't sealed it today. Maybe you haven't yet sealed this decision of where you're going because you haven't put your faith yet in Christ. Or you may need to renew that thing and say, God, I am not going to stay the same as what I have been, but I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to walk with you today. Listen, would you bow with me in prayer this morning? No matter where you're at, no matter what your situation is, I'm asking you just to say, Jesus, work in my life. Lord, I am putting my trust in you. I'm putting my faith in you. I ask you, Lord, to be Lord over my life. I ask you to guide my life. Say it in your own way, Father. I pray for each one of these, Lord. For each one of us, those online, those here in the room, I pray, Father God, that you would help each and every one of us to keep our focus, to keep our focus on you because we know that you are the one who saves. You are the need meter. You are the one that guides us and who leads us, and you will not leave us or forsake us. Father, yes, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yes, we pray for that. And Lord, we also ask that you will bring peace in the lives of each person here in this place too. We ask you to do your work. We yield ourselves to you and say, Lord, be our Lord. I'm choosing to walk with you in Jesus' name. And if you said that prayer, if you said, said that prayer however you did in your own heart, Make sure you tell somebody else. Make sure you tell somebody else, and whether it's one of us as staff or another friend, tell somebody else, you know, I said that prayer and I meant it, that the Lord would be in my life and I'm renewing my life or I'm restarting my life in Christ. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is no uh...